Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will here with Schedule Fly, and sitting on my back porch today uh, with some nice weather, speaking to my buddy Danny Latino, who's up in Chicago with actually some not too bad weather there, and uh, he's actually at one of his concepts right now, uh, Waterhouse Bar Group. They've got Country Club, Easy Street Pizza, and Beer Garden, Pitchfork Food and Saloon, and Waterhouse. He's at Pitchfork. They're actually changing that to uh an easy street so they're going through a change right now and using this time to their advantage and he has uh, been kind enough through all this to take some time to wrap so danny thank you man appreciate it yeah anytime it's always a pleasure speaking you will uh okay well look i'm interested you know right before we start recording you told me you're there at pitchfork uh but you are using this time and you'll be closed for like the next month you're switching this over to easy street pizza and beer garden so tell me about uh you know the, the backstory on that and how long you've had Pitchfork there and what, what the process is like switching over to Easy Street. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we already have one Easy Street location. We opened it about three years ago, and it's doing really well. And on the flip side, we've had Pitchfork for about 10 years, and it's really meat-heavy. Uh, we saw a lot of ribs, a lot of pulled pork and stuff mm. like that. We also saw a lot of whiskey. And to be honest, over the last few years, people's eating habits have changed a bit. So seems like people are steering away from um, some like less heavy meaty type foods at least in this area so we decided to turn to another easy street um you know we've got a month or so another month until we're open again um chicago looks like it's gonna be june 1st the earliest but maybe even as late as like late june Mm. so we've got some time on our hands and we decided to you know start doing some work now it's not going to take all that much uh work other than you know, painting and changing out some TVs. The building itself is in really good condition, luckily. Okay, so pitchfork. You've got whiskey, you got ribs, you got meat, and that you're seeing that that at least where you are, um, people are starting to move away from that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. In this particular area, you know, it's weird. Uh, when we opened over here ten years ago, the neighborhood was very different, and over the course of ten years a lot of the apartments and a lot of the younger people that lived in the neighborhood have moved out and, you know, single fam monster, single family houses have taken over, um, hmm. a lot more kids, you know, a lot less of the, uh, fresh out of college kids and a lot more of like 10 and 12 year old type kids. So, um, the concept was doing well for a while. And as the neighborhood changed, we just felt like we kind of had to change with the neighborhood. Well, it's, nice to see you've got your finger on the pulse there and good to know that you're able to do that and leverage this tough time uh for that now i gotta tell you that sounds very very appealing to me so if you want to open one out here in south charlotte man i'll 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 support you i'll run it i'll hang out there every day uh because the whiskey and the meat are like right up my alley but <laughs> but of course pizza and beer garden is uh, i mean that's you know these beer gardens have been popping up a lot over the last decade they're awesome and then you you've, you know pizza and beer go well together um so to, uh, so but when i think of, i think a beer garden i think of a really large large space so tell me about easy street the one you've got now and then you know what's happening with the space there where you are in pitchfork yeah for sure so uh easy street um you know it's about four miles from pitchfork so it's actually really uh, a nice deal because we're able to close off the delivery zone and mm. we'll be, you know, delivering to like a six mile uh, zone okay. versus a three mile zone where we're at right now. So we're able to kind of close it off and connect them, which is really good in the pizza world. Um, but Easy Street, you know, we've been open there for three years. Um, 
we met some uh, some two older gentlemen that had a, a bar there, a dive bar, and they had the place for like 30 years, and they were looking to get out of the business. They were they've been trying to sell it for a couple of years, and we went in and um, really loved the, the the place, but it was you know it needed some work, so we put some work into it. We added the pizza ovens, and then they had a parking lot out back for cars for regulars that kind of go out back and smoke and park their cars, and we ended up turning it into a beer garden. Put a fence up. Nice. You know, um, yeah, it, you know, it wasn't that much money, but we really put space to work for us. So that was nice because it really doubles our space. Our occupancy is about 100 inside and then 100 outside. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Pitchfork's not too far away and it's kind of a similar setup. We have uh, a, another beer garden there, but it's a little bit smaller. So uh, we felt like, you know, a lot of the people um, that, frequent the current easy street will probably transfer over to the new one since they're pretty close and probably turn some of their friends and family onto it if they live in the you know immediate vicinity you know it's been interesting the dynamic of breweries and beer gardens have become a a very popular place for families to hang out you know you um i mean we see that all over in charlotte i have so many friends that you know take their it's, it's not just for the adults, you know, the, the kids go and there's activities, there's fun things to do. And next thing you know, you got a whole family, um, hanging out. And, um, I think that's a, well, that's, it's not something I would have predicted, but it's turned out to work really, really well. Is that kind of what you're thinking you'll see there? Or is that what you're seeing at the existing location? Yeah. I mean, we think we'll, it'll carry over. And, uh, to your point about the beer gardens, you know, especially in today's climate, you know, I mean, having a big beer garden is important to us because, you know, if we do have to put tables six feet apart and, uh, you know, if this virus does continue, uh, people are probably going to want to favor, you know, favor sitting outside. So yep. um, that's something that's really important to us, you know, currently. Um, but as a whole, I mean, definitely, I mean, the beer gardens have definitely gotten more popular. Um, and I agree, you know, you have to cater to families as well. I mean, to be honest, when I first got into the business about 20 years ago, we catered to the drinking crowd. But nowadays, um, you know, you can't, you have to really appeal to everyone. You don't want to lose out on the percentage of your customer base just because, you know, you don't have a baby changing station or you don't have an area for kids to park their bikes or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's been, I, I've, I've loved seeing that. I, I, I went to a beer garden in Munich for the first time in 1994. I was in college, and I took a semester abroad, and we were in London, and we had our little spring break or whatever you call it, and um, we went to uh, the Hosbra House in Munich, Germany, and I, I remember that vividly to this day, or at least the parts where I before I got really drunk, but it was <laughs> so much fun, and I remember I remember being, I mean, for a long time, I was so surprised that we didn't have those here, and uh I'm glad to see that. They're a great environment. It's just a, and frankly, it's something I would just crave right now. It's just a place to go outside, big tables, lots of people, drinking beer, enjoying life, just having fun and relaxing and, and you know, in a really good, light, fun, happy environment, man. I, I think that people are going to, once this kind of clears through, they're going to really crave visiting places like yours, my friend. Um yeah, we're hoping so, you know, I mean, you know, to, to your point about the beer gardens, you know, and being outside, you know, I mean, 
people have been locked up. You know, some people, you know, in Chicago or, you know, living, a lot of people live in an apartment, you know, and some, a lot of people have roommates. So people are definitely going to want to get out and experience the nice weather, you know, eventually, hopefully it'll be nice when they're actually able to get back out. But, uh, we can't wait, man. It's, uh, you know, in Chicago here, they're saying it might be till towards the end of, end of June now, maybe even like July 1st. Really? You know? Yeah. But the nice thing is, is, you know, I think they're trying to work with us, you know, the, they're, they're willing it appears that they're gonna offer um some additional like outdoor space on public way um so for instance if you have like a big sidewalk outside your restaurant they might uh loosen the rules a little bit to maybe give you some outdoor seating when you normally wouldn't have it there or uh, maybe expand your delivery your uh outdoor seating a little bit um in chicago they're really strict with it too i mean you can't have music outside you can't have tvs outside so it kind of brings down the vibe a little bit. Mm. Um, so if they're if they're able to loosen those rules a, a little bit, it, I think it'll help a lot of businesses here in Chicago. I hope they do. Uh, you, you've got to be willing to kind of just throw out the the rules now and just kind of just start from scratch and help everybody figure this out. You hope that they'll do that. Uh, now June, that's that's a long time. Uh, you know, we're starting to see some activity here in the South. I mean, Georgia's moved forward with opening up a lot of stuff and uh, South Carolina, I think. And my wife just told me, I think there's phase one of whatever our reopening here is in North Carolina. I didn't, I'd be honest with you, I didn't even realize that. Um, I'm trying to, honestly, I'm trying to not watch the news as much as possible now because, <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it can be so depressing. Uh, and, it's all negative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, there's only incentive to, to create, you know, negative and fear because then you keep people watching. So I... That's been tough, but um, either way, so Chicago is very densely populated, urban area, people in apartments. Uh, Gina Stefani, I spoke with her last week uh, with Phil Stefani's signature restaurants, and she told me she has her best friend who has been holed up in her apartment for like 50-something days and won't even go out on her balcony because she's so scared. That's a... Those are the impacts. I mean, I worry a lot about that stuff is the psychological negative impact of this, of people. I mean, you have to obviously be careful and aware, but there's a point of of fear that just is so paralyzing that it it really concerns me. I, I feel for people that are living like that. It's a, a tough situation. I got to tell you, we're, I'm, I feel very thankful being where we are in South Charlotte that you know, my wife's high risk. And so we're very, very, very careful, but you know, we, we take the kids, I take my kids every single afternoon at four o'clock over to the wide, there's a field out behind our YMCA. And you know, there's other folks that go out there, but everybody keeps their very, very safe distance. But you know, we, we do some hill sprints. We take the dogs out there. We let them run around. I, I, I can't imagine being holed up in an apartment all this time. I could crazy. Can't even imagine it. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, it's definitely something to be aware of and you know, you'd never want to take any chances with anything, but, you know, unfortunately, unfortunate, you know, a lot of the stuff, um, a lot of the stuff that's closed here in Chicago, at least, you know, you could probably do while still social distancing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. That's, that's kind of the tough part, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's not just getting through these next, this next month or month and a half or, you know, whenever they allow us to reopen, it's, what, what are you re, what are you reopening to you know i mean are people going to come back are people going to have money um you know it's just a wide range here is 
you know, you see a wide range of, you know, people that just don't care about the virus and, you know, to people like you said, who people, you know, haven't left the house in a couple months. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I think delivery is going to continue to be a big, big aspect of our business, even if, um, wow. even once this thing does clear up, you know. Can you deliver beer with the pizza? Because that seems that's a very local uh, issue right now with alcohol and delivery and all that kind of stuff. What's going on there? Yeah, actually, they just allowed it. So it had been illegal. Um, and about maybe a few days after they imposed the, you know, the restrictions, they allowed everyone to start delivering um, liquor, beer, wine. Um, you can't do mixed cocktails, which kind of makes sense. You know, people are kind of handling the drinks, but um, we're still we're selling some. You know, to be honest, we're probably selling the most uh, popular item so far has been White Claw, um, probably followed by like domestic beer. But it hasn't been like a it hasn't accounted for a huge portion of our sales so far. Okay, gotcha. But pe- yeah. so, but you can sell a pizza and a six pack of beer, or is it? Ha- ha- what's the what are the limits? Yeah, so you can sell. I mean, you could, they didn't really put limits on how much you can sell okay. as long as it's like a closed container. Okay. So I don't think we've sold any like cases of beer yet, probably because, you know, the there aren't many big gatherings, but we sold a couple like 12 packs, a couple bottles of wine. I think we sold a couple bottles of Tito's vodka. Okay. So, it, you know, it helps out a little bit, no doubt about it, but it's nothing like, you know, regular, regular business, you know. Well, okay, so. For, are you doing curbside or just delivery? Yeah, so we're doing both. So um, okay. if people, you know, feel comfortable and want to come in and carry out, they're more than welcome to come in to grab their food. Um, if they don't want to come in, we'll bring it to your car. And then we also do delivery, which we've been doing delivery here for a while. So it wasn't like we had to completely change our business, you know, uh, the way we're doing business. But um, most people do. Most people end up doing delivery. But um, the curbside pickup definitely has been popular. Uh, you know, we are also doing con- contactless delivery. So if you want your food delivered to your door um, without mm-hmm. us ringing the bell and speaking to you, we, we do that as well. Okay. And you just like text them when it's there or something like that? Yeah, shoot them a text or a quick phone call. Um, I mean, everyone texts nowadays, I guess. So text definitely works better. But um, we had a few people that were like, you know, washing their kids or something. So their, their food stayed outside for like 15, 20 minutes. So. Um, there's definitely been a few hiccups, but we're working through it. Okay. Now, do you do the deliveries or do you use third parties or both? Yeah. So at the pizza place, we had been doing our own deliveries since we opened. Um, but then once we got hit with the ban, we immediately switched everything to our own drivers. Um, you know, with, with here in Chicago, at least, um, you pay a higher percentage if you use their, their drivers, in addition to delivery fees and the percentages. Hmm. Um, and then also, I mean, just the quality of food is poor. You know, that we, you know, I've seen times where, you know, a driver will try to pick up two or three different orders and then deliver them. And then you're, you know, you're thinking in your head, you know, by the time that third delivery is completed, I mean, this food is going to be in this guy's car for 30 minutes or so. So we switched to our own drivers and I can't, I can't envision us ever switching back to, Grubhub or Uber drivers because it's been way easier to do on our own. I'm glad you're able to do that. I don't want to go too far down this path, but I will tell you that the more of y'all I talk to and the more I'm reading, the more concerns I have about these large um, publicly traded or massively funded businesses that are, there's some been some 
interesting practices, let's say, uh, even prior to this. And it's, it's concerning, um, because the customer, you know, it's, it's like the, the investors and shareholders come first, then the customers, then the restaurant. So like one of them is giving relief supposedly, but the relief is just by not charging the customer, the, you know, delivery fee or whatever it is. But y'all at the end of the day, I mean, y'all are the ones that really it's, it's tough. And I, I find that to be concerning, particularly at a time like this, that, it's a very myopic way to do business because if they're not helping you and you're not there in six months, then they don't have anybody. It just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, I'm glad you're able to do that. Uh, we, we had a situation it was like a week or two ago. We got, um, my kids like Chipotle. So we got some Chipotle and I don't know which service it was. I didn't even realize. I thought it was, I assumed it was just a Chipotle driver and they came and I looked at the bag. I was like, Dude, you, 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 we had two orders of chips here. They're not in here. And the lady's like, ah, sorry, call them. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm not with them. I'm, I'm not going to say which one she was with. But, you know, I was like, that's real. That That's a crappy thing. And um, unfortunately, that reflects on them, on their brand, which you don't want. You don't want to make this really well-intentioned, well-crafted, thoughtful food and do everything on your end to make everything as perfect as possible. And then some dude or some gal shows up and you know is not nice to the customer or shows up late or does these multiple deliveries and now the food's not really good or oh man i gotta put this damn food in the microwave like that's a terrible experience that reflects on you unfortunately which it shouldn't but it does yeah and you know the part thing is the customer doesn't always understand the process you know, so a lot of 100%. times they do call the restaurant, you know, which they shouldn't. I mean, it's probably not easy for them to understand the process. To be honest, like, I'm kind of in the middle with the third-party delivery sites. For a long time, we tried not to do them. Yeah. But eventually, it got to the point where everyone else did them. So, you know, let's let's say, you know, there's a cold winter Chicago day in January, and, you know, it's negative 30 degrees, mm. and no one's going out, right? Yeah, right. If you have a restaurant, you're just sitting there empty. You know, I mean, if you normally do $3,000, you might do $700, you know, based off some regular swinging by. But at the end of the day, you know, you're just dead and the staff's in there. So the third-party apps are nice to turn on in a situation like that, you know. And if you get busy, you just turn them off. That was kind of like our thing when we first started, right, you know. Yeah. It it totally evolved into basically being on all the time unless we did get busy. You know, anytime we get busy – and we even get remotely busy. We just turn them off. There's no use in giving up 30% of your profit if you're already busy, you know? So ultimately, we, we really just use them when we're not, you know, when we're not busy. And obviously, these days, they're on, you know, around the clock because we have no dining crowd. Um, but I totally agree. I mean, they definitely are shady with their business practices. I mean, there have been times where we sign up for a promotion and they make it sound like, they're paying for the, their rent, uh, you know, of our end of the promotion. And in reality, once you get the statement, um, you know, you'll see like $120 taken out for promotions. You know, on the flip side, though, you know, a few weeks ago, I think there was a, a social media post that went viral. I think there was a restaurant that did like $1,100 worth of business and with Grubhub, I think it was. And they, they only got a check for like 350 bucks. I just but saw that this at, morning. Yep. Yeah, no, if you look at it closely, right, I think there was like $130 in, like, credits. So that means that 
you know, either the restaurant didn't give the customer their food or the customer wasn't happy or the customer just complained because they wanted free food and they know that Grubhub's going to credit them no matter what. And then in addition, their restaurant was also running promotions. So if you run promotions, you pay a higher percentage and a higher fee, Mm. but you get more orders and you get more placement, you know? So if that was a regular, if that was a regular order based off like 30%, Oh, that guy also was, uh, that customer also was, you know, using them to deliver their food. So that was another chunk out of their, out of their end of it, you know? But if you do normally, if you do $1,100, even if you have them deliver your food, you're only paying, you know, you're getting paid like 700 bucks, 750 bucks. So it's tough, man. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, Grubhub owns the market. Customers are loyal to Grubhub or Uber Eats. They're not necessarily loyal to restaurants nowadays. That's concerning. That I hope that social media posts like that get around more. I saw that this morning. I was actually reading an article about Grubhub and how they were buying up uh, restaurant domain names um, for restaurants that didn't have websites. And just, I mean, just, I was just blown away. But I did see that. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, it's a very myopic business practice. It's what happens when you're. You know, you ultimately it's it's what happens when you become a public company or you've got like massive amounts of investment and you have to put the shareholder first, not the customer and and uh, and certainly not the business that they're, you know, the go between for. So I hate to hear that. I hope that people will think about that more. I will say this. One thing I should add is that uh, to my my Chipotle story, since I brought it up, is I was like, this is that's ridiculous. So then I was like, okay, well I'll just call the, I'll call them. And I get this lady on the phone, a very nice lady. I explained the deal. I was like, Hey, you know, our chips didn't show up. I don't really want you to send like somebody back out here, you know, for a couple of orders of chips, but I just want to give you a heads up. Like did that happen? So you guys know. So she's like, well, what can I do to make it right? I was like, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, it's, it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. No, no worries. I just more wanted to let you know. She goes, nah, it's not cool. I tell you what, uh, I'm going to refund your whole purchase. I was like, nah, you don't, you don't got to do that. It was like 30 something dollars. She's like, I'm refunding your whole purchase. You know, that shouldn't have happened. So that's a great outcome for us. I mean, that, that went from being a negative experience outside of their hands by another company that they were able to leverage and turn into a very positive experience to the point that clearly, you know, we would order from them again. And here I am talking on a podcast about them. So good for them. You know, I have to give them credit for that. I thought that was cool. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, in that post that, that did go viral with the Grubhub fees, you know, it probably only helped. I mean, it, like you said, it probably will, you know, funnel more people to order directly from restaurants instead of going through some of those third, you know, third-party websites. But I agree, man. You know, a lot of this stuff's out of your control. And if you didn't call in and complain and that left a sour taste in your mouth, you might never order from Chipotle again. You know, so I worry about the people that you don't hear complaints about, you know, from because those are customers that are likely just gone. You know, luckily enough, you were they were able to fix your situation. They did it great, you know. Well, you're you nailed it, Danny. Look, that's the issue. It's like, you know, for every call you get, you assume, you know, okay, that's 10 percent of the the actual occurrences of whatever that issue was. So it's it's good to know that they have a, a way to empower their folks to easily remedy that and fix that. And, you know, that, so yeah, you're right. Um, now, okay. So these delivery things are, are going to stay and there's only going to be so much, 
information that gets spread around through social media or through conversations with people about how, you know, these delivery services aren't necessarily the businesses that you may want to be loyal to. It's just consumers are consumers and consumer behavior is fickle and they look for, you know, consumers look for the simplest, easiest path at the end of the day, most of the time. So, so the, then the issue becomes, how do you adjust and how do you deal with that? Now y'all are able to turn it off. You said when you, when you're busy, uh, but it'll continue. So tell me about the future. I mean, what what's you, you've noticed the trend of, you know, people not at least in, in that specific demographic where you are with Pitchfork, you've, you've said, OK, well, you know, this probably doesn't have a lot of legs going forward. So you make changes. And one of the great things about independent restaurant and bar owners and hospitality people is that you can quickly make adjustments, turn on a dime, relatively speaking. But you're ve- you're definitely very nimble and agile. When you think about the next few years, it's so hard to figure out what's going to happen with all this. But if you think through, like, best case, worst case, where's your head with the trend towards, you know, maybe more quick service, maybe more delivery? What do you think about that stuff, Danny? Yeah, for sure. You know, to be honest, it's not like the restaurant industry was doing great before this all happened. You know, I mean, it, it was a struggle before this virus hit you know so it's man it's so hard to predict but you know a best case scenario i think everyone's hoping that this thing's gone one way or another in the next few months and we're able to open because if it's only a couple you know if it's if it's only a couple more months before things are you know can kind of go back to normal i feel like people will go back out and you know want to get out of their houses and visit with their friends but if it goes on a long time, you know, you start to worry about, you know, people's habits just changing. You know, are your regulars going to come back? Um, you know, they've been, they've sat in the same chair for five years. And now for, you know, 90 days, they haven't been there. Their routine's now broken. So, you know, is that customer going to come back? Um, you don't really know, you know. Um, but, I mean, I think everyone's hoping to return to some kind of normalcy and, in the next couple of months, and I think that would probably be a best case scenario, you know, right around the time pro and college football starting up, you know, people are able to return and dine in and feel confident and comfortable going out. Um, worst case scenario, though, I mean, I think we're going to lose a lot of restaurants, you know, I mean, even with yeah. even with people getting some kind of support from their local or federal government, I mean, I still think there's we're going to lose a lot of restaurants because you know, that money's just going to help you stay afloat while you're closed. And then once you reopen, you still have to find staff, find people that are willing to work because there's a lot of people on unemployment. Um, you're going to have to restock your shelves, you know, your liquor and food, the initial orders are going to be huge. And then, you know, if we're able to open with 25% occupants or even 50% occupancy, you know, you're paying your staff and you're probably not making money. You know, the margins are going to be very slim, especially with, only a limited amount of people going out so the future's scary man i mean i'm not gonna lie um i I, i'd be shocked if uh if uh we didn't lose a lot of restaurants this summer you know it's really interesting to try to think through that and to think about kind of where we are now and where we're going to go with this um it's a tough dynamic okay so they you know people I'm old enough. I mean, I'm 45. I'm old enough to remember when you go to a restaurant or a bar, there were, you know, 
there was a smoking section or there, you know, in your bar, like you just smoked wherever. I mean, it was just commonplace. You go in there and people are smoking. And then we started realizing that secondhand smoke is a problem. And so it's not just you that you're affecting with your decision. It's other people. So they kind of regulate it out of that. And now you don't really see it anymore. Like you said, there with the place you, you bought for, um, <clears throat> for easy street used to be a, a dive bar and smoking out back. So people would just go out back and smoke. Well, that's an interesting thing because the regulatory issues just come into play where they, you know, the government makes decisions that force us to uh, change. This is interesting because, but, but in that situation, you know, smoking was, I think a lot of people could get behind that just in general, because you're saying, look, it's, it's these big companies that are profiting off of smokers, and so it's big tobacco, if you want to call it that or whatever. Uh, now, it's not. It's the opposite. It's the, end of, it's the small local business that gets just hammered. And, I don't, and people don't like that. They, people don't want, you know, people don't rise up to uh, have a negative impact for all the local small businesses around them. They rise up to say, screw big tobacco or whatever, you know, and I'm not saying I have any opinion on that one way or the other. I'm not going to share it, but I'm saying that that's, you could see that, you know, screw big tobacco or screw big farm or screw big food or whatever, but nobody's saying screw all of our local restaurants and businesses. So my point around that is it's very fascinating to me to see how we go through this unprecedented thing and go, okay, well, this virus you know, is communicable, it spreads easily. So now the politicians get involved and the government gets involved and they make these decisions. But then you go, but then the consumer's going, yeah, but I don't want all my local restaurants to close down and I don't want to be forced to not even go. You know, it's really, there's just so, it's almost impossible to make any prediction about what may happen and how you may or may not be regulated. But I've got to think at the end of the day, the majority of consumers are going to say, look, you know, let us make our own decisions on this stuff, right? Um, let us decide whether we want to go out and put ourselves at risk or not, and, you know, we'll see. But I do share your concern, man. It's it's very, very concerning. Yeah, only time will tell, I guess, right? I mean, you know, here here in Chicago, they, they legalize uh, marijuana January 1st, too, recreationally. So as a, you know a bar restaurant owner, you wonder how much that's going to dig in your business too, you know, and that, that just kind of started out, you know, when we got hit and maybe it won't affect us at all. And maybe it'll help us. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a few late night pizza orders, but at the end of the day, <laughs> man, it's going to be a scary few months, you know, I mean, it's, it's really going to be a weird few months until, uh, you know, hopefully things return back to whatever normal is. Yeah. Well, um, look, I've said this before, and you and I talked about this a little bit beforehand, but if I ever was going to put my money on any collective group of people to figure out a way through this, it's it's you and your peers. You already have this, this set of skills that are a unique set of skills to be successful in this business as it is. Uh, you're, you're gritty and you're creative and you're thoughtful and you're intentional and you hustle and you're able to put out thousands of fires every day, you know, little fires that most of us just couldn't even, I mean, I would just, uh, I couldn't do it. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) it's, it's tough and it's, it's scary and it's weird, but one thing we also can't, 
predict, you know, you can kind of say, okay, well, we'll probably see less people going out. We'll probably see more regulations around this stuff. But what you you can't predict is the ingenuity and creativity and invention that will take place through this that we, you don't even know will happen yet. That you'll, but ideas and things that you and your peers will think of that will help change the hospitality business in ways we would have never thought, but make it even better. And some places won't make it through, but then others will come along under some new paradigm and, and take their place. I, I think, I hope. Um, but I, I have to, I always err on the side of, um, optimism and positivity and believing in small business people to be creative and solve problems that they, that they didn't even know they could solve. I guess is where I really go with that. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if people, if once this thing's over, if people don't go back out to restaurants and bars, it's on us. That means we weren't, cre- you know, we didn't do enough to get them back out. We didn't entice them enough to go back out. But man, people are really going to want to, most people are going to want to really get back out of their houses. And to your point, you know, I mean, the, the restaurants and bars that do survive, you know, yeah, there might be less customers, but there might be less competition as well. I mean, yeah. obviously hate to see anyone go out of business, but that's just the reality of it. Natural part of the business cycle, and this is just accelerating it. So, um, well, dude, I appreciate you taking this time, man. I'm going to let you get back to it. Get in there with your team at uh, Pitchfork and get that stuff converted over to Easy Street, man. Um I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. You got my cell, of course, if you ever need anything, you know where I'm at. And by the way, I don't know if you know this. I just thought of this this morning, actually. I made a post on our Instagram account. And our um, profile or whatever on Instagram is uh, the picture, the little picture in the circle is one that you sent me. Um, It's a picture of a Schedule Fly sticker on a pole in one of your locations. Um, and I love it. I love that picture so much. Everything about, not just cause it's a schedule fly sticker, just because it's on this pole with like hundreds of other stickers and it's a cool looking place. It may be country club. I can't remember which location it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's country club. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. We got a, we got a wall where we let like local, uh, bands and you know, uh, any, if you got a sticker and you want to get the word out, you're more than welcome to stick it on this pole we have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I put it up there, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and then I know you guys must be blowing up because uh, you guys had a quote up for a little bit. And I think the first week you put it up, I got like seven or eight text messages from other bar or restaurant people. They're like, I went, on, I went on my schedule fly today and I saw a quote from you. And everyone was kind of busting me up about it. But Oh, really? Um, I didn't know. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, man. We love schedule fly in Chicago, man. Oh, dude. Well, you know, it was funny because your quote is very – I can I – can, recite it right now and i haven't seen it in a while and but i remember it so well because it's one of my favorite there's like three of our favorite quotes i would say wes is probably on the same page all of us probably are uh but personally i can say that it's one of the three favorite quotes we've ever gotten about schedule fly and your quote was schedule fly is the best damn scheduling app in the universe and i just (laughs) particularly the word universe just made us just smile man that was like awesome i remember coming out i was like oh wes check this out this is awesome but um (laughs) So thank you for that. Thanks for the business. Thanks for the support. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. And if you ever need anything at all, you know where we're at. And uh, I really look forward to one day when when things do get back to whatever the new normal is. 
people will be moving around some. And, and my wife and I have been talking about going to Chicago for a long, long time. So uh, when we do, I, I, I will I will certainly uh, take an opportunity to make sure to let you know and, and get a chance to meet you in person, my friend. Oh, we can't wait to show you around, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one, Dan. All right, take it easy, Will. See you.